Matt LaFleur says the Packers need speed. Why this is going to be vital, whether the Packers can find a true number one receiver before the draft or in the draft or not. Plus, who are those players in the draft? You are locked on Packers. I feel like we can run the table. Do. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Floats it. Your team. Oh, every day. Touchdown. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for The Leap, a newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. You can follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. Thanks to those who make Locked On Packers their first listen every day. We hope you like starting your day with us as much as we like starting our day with you. Thanks to everyone who reached out yesterday. We were off. I was under the weather, which is made worse by the fact that I'm I'm technically on vacation, although with Lockdown Packers, there really are no vacations because we're here every day. They don't call it your team some of the days. It's your team every day. That's what we do here on Locked on Packers. So we press on. And the world, the NFL world in particular, spins without us. And Matt LaFleur spoke to reporters yesterday at uh, NFL team meetings. We're going to talk about the overtime period changes at the end of the show. But Matt LaFleur gave what I thought was a, a telling but also important quote. And that was that he felt the team needed speed. Someone who can take the top off of a defense. Now, why is that? Something that stood out to me because that seems obvious, right? Of course they need that. And we saw the value of someone like Marquez Valdez-Scantling last year to the Packers offense. It was essential. But here's why I think it's so important. The Packers are going about this. This tells me the Packers are going about this the right way. Because they can't bank on a trade for one of these premier players for a DK Metcalf or an AJ Brown, some of the guys we talked about on Monday's show. They can't assume that's going to happen. And they can't assume that any player they draft becomes that number one option because it's probably not going to happen. Now, that pro football focus study that I love to bring up says in the first round, you have a better than 50% chance to get a quality starter from that spot. But that's not the same as having a bona fide number one receiver. And they're not going to get someone as good as Devontae Adams. They're, they're just by the numbers not. Justin Jefferson came in and had one of the great seasons by a rookie ever. And he's not Devontae Adams. He's one of the five or six best receivers in the league, probably. But he's not Devontae Adams. And those guys are few and far between. Jamar Chase and Matt LaFleur mentioned Jamar Chase by name. I thought it was interesting. He did not mention Justin Jefferson. He said there are only so many of those guys. Those guys are rare. And they're not picking in the top five. Now, Justin Jefferson, of course, came later in the first round. In fact, right, right where the Packers are picking at 22. But here's why this is so important to me. This is why this stood out to me. You can can hope against hope that you can find that number one guy. And even if you're it's not it's not like realistic versus not to say we can find that guy. 
I think what you have to do is you have to look at this football team and say, no, it's not about trying to find the number one guy because that's just a fool's errand. If you can trade for him, great, but you can't draft someone thinking they're going to be our number one receiver year one or even year two. It has historically taken a long time for Aaron Rodgers to develop chemistry. Matt LaFleur has talked about trying to find ways to make that go a little bit faster. And Aaron Rodgers is not going to have a choice. He signed on the dotted line. So he is he signed up for I might have to throw to a rookie receiver. The reason the speed is so vital here is because in this offense, so much is about playing off space. And if you don't have space, you don't have an offense. Now, what I find so fascinating about someone like Kyle Shanahan is he has been able to create lanes to throw the ball without someone who is threatening you downfield at all times, but he's done it with George Kittle. George Kittle is a middle of the field monster who can draw so much attention. He has linebackers and safeties going, oh crap, and he's a MFer in the blocking game. In the run game, you can play heavy personnel, safeties and linebackers are flying downhill, and now you're going over the top. What they do is unique. It's just not how Aaron Rodgers is going to play. You can go back in history and look. There have been teams who have ridden one-trick pony receivers to Super Bowls. The Patriots have six of them. Tom Brady and Julian Edelman, they won the Super Bowls. Julian Edelman was a one-trick pony. He was a slot-only guy who ran these little option routes and was always open. And they didn't really have that that over-the-top kind of guy. They made it work. I don't think some of you look, you look back at some of those teams, that Patriots team that beat the Falcons, that offense, that offense was not good in terms of the talent that they had on the field. But they made it work. You have to think, if Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers, that he is going to be able to make this work. What you need, though, and, and the way Aaron Rodgers wants to play, and this is the other part of this, he wants to be able to push the ball down the field. You can take the check downs, but he wants to be able to push the ball down the field. So you have to find that guy. Marquez Valdez-Scantling was so valuable because of the gravity that he created. You could run him down the field and safeties, even if you're in a too high look, you're creating space because that safety, even if it's a, a half field safety, he has to account for that on the right side or the left side or wh whatever side that, that MVS is on precisely because very few corners in the league can actually run with someone like Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Without him, they just don't, they have someone like Alan Lazard who can play along the boundary. And he can make some plays and you can create shot plays for him and you can and you can be quarters with him and, and he can be a downfield receiver. But he's not creating the gravity that MVS is. And Randall Cobb can be a middle of the field target for you. And Big Bob Tunyon can be a middle of the field target for you. But they don't create the gravity that Devontae Adams does from the slot. They don't generate that kind of attention. Those are quality players. They're useful guys. They have a good rapport with Aaron Rodgers. That's the good news is it's not like Aaron Rodgers is having to start from scratch. Lazard, Tunyon, Cobb. Those guys have a good rapport with Aaron Rodgers. They know what to do. They know where to be. And Rodgers is, you hope, 
going to throw to them in these moments where he's going to have to find someone. But what MVS did was create a big strike element and he opened up the space for everyone else. Matt LaFleur is excellent at creating space. So that relies on having receivers who can account for safeties, for example. If you have these combination concepts, you need a, sa- you need a receiver who's going to run off the safety, who's going to create um, the, the, it's not quite gravity, but it is the attention, who can get the attention of a safety with a corner there to open up the middle of the field, for example. Or we think of a classic concept where you have the dig and the post in behind. You have to have someone on that dig where the safety is going to want to drive on it and you can have the post in behind. Classic concept, right? So where I think that this this makes sense to me and why I like this approach is what Matt LaFleur is saying is the geometry of this offense has to work. Regardless of the players, You know, if you can get a fast guy who can take the top off and he's your number one, great. But what you need is that speed because teams are going to play you single high. They're going to stop the run, which Matt LaFleur does not want. And they're going to dare you. They're going to dare you to push the ball down the field. And if you don't have anyone that can win down the field, and and this was an issue for the Packers with Devontae Adams and Marquez Valdez-Scantling at times. So they they have to fix that part of this. Now, you go out and get DK Metcalf, that solves everything because now you have your alpha one and you have someone who can push the speed, who can push the pace, who can create that gravity, who now he's going to take those safeties and Alan Lazard is winning underneath or Randall Cobb is winning underneath. And a lot of the same ways that you can use Devontae Adams almost as a decoy, you can use you can do with DK Metcalf. The last three years, Matt LaFleur has been one of the best coaches in the league at creating separation. By next-gen stats, he the last two years, he's been top three in separation and in open receiver percentage and wide open receiver percentage. That's not all just Devontae Adams winning. That is putting his guys in a position to succeed. They are. This is a really, really, really well-schemed offense. And if you go look at the games where Devontae Adams is not out there, they don't always have Marquez out there as well. You look at that Saints game where Alan Lazard became your de facto number one. They put 30 on the Saints in their building because Matt LaFleur is a scheme god. The Packers are lucky that they have that. And so if he's saying what we need for this offense to work is speed, they can can find the speed and I think make this engine go without having to have that true alpha number one. I think they can do that. Now, does that mean I don't want them to go out and sign a Julio Jones or a Will Fuller or a Sammy Watkins or someone of veteran ilk or trade for Devontae Parker just, just to give them some veteran something? No. But I think what this tells me is they are thinking about this the right way because they're going, okay, how do we build? Now we're starting from scratch. So how do we build this up? We've got a slot we like. We've got a developmental slot we like, a gadget kind of player. I think we're going to see more Mario Rogers looks. I, I hope we see more Aaron Jones as a receiver looks. We've got a big possession receiver we like who blocks his ass off, who can be a versatile player. I think there's more in the bag for Alan Lazard to get to. 
what the team needs. Matt LaFleur talked about this like a basketball team. You've got point guards, you've got shooting guards, etc. Al Lazard is your center. And Big Bob Tunyon, those are your bigs. And you've got a point guard in, uh, in, in Randall Cobb. Someone who can just quick get you into offense. Amari Rodgers, Aaron Jones, you've got guards. What you need is a scoring wing, whether it's a 3 and D wing or it's a, a true franchise guy is not exactly relevant just to make the pieces fit. What you need is that that wing who can credibly make shots, who can defend, and then you go from there. If they can become Kawhi Leonard, great. I, I like the approach. They do need speed. They needed speed last year. And, and MVS not being out there for the 49ers game was huge. This, I think, tells me that they are headed in the right direction, whether they make that big swing or not. We are going to get to the players in the draft who could help them do this. We know who some of the big names are out there. DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. Those are the guys that if you're going to swing, swing big. Will Fuller on a, on a secondary level. Let's talk about the draft guys. Let's talk about the draft guys, but let's do it after this. Today's episode brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. You've heard me say that. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. I'm on a little bit of a family vacation right now, and I brought them as a, an airplane snack, as a just hanging out snack. I brought them with me on vacation. How can I give a better endorsement of a product than I brought them on vacation with me? You need just the essentials on vacation. I brought Built Bars. What more do you need to know? Well, how about this? They're covered in 100% chocolate, and they come in a bunch of different flavors, each one better than the last. They're all low in calorie, high in protein, high in fiber, low in net carb. And if you don't believe me, which you should, but if you don't, I can make it easy for you. Go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. And thanks for making Locked On Packers your first listen every day. Make sure you're following Locked On NFL. Locked On experts covering the biggest stories around the NFL every Monday through Friday in less than 30 minutes. It's free and available on all platforms. So who are some of the guys in the draft who could fit this speed bill? I've got a lot of takes on this. So last week we talked about Packers types, right? And the guys who fit their preferred athletic mold, six feet or taller, preferably. Really, they'd like you to be 200 pounds, 190 is passable, and they want you to run sub four six. Those that that group is important, but I'm going to get to that in a second. Among the receivers who fit that part of it, height, weight, speed. These are the guys who run sub four four, so fast, fast. Valus Jones Jr. from Tennessee. Now, he's going to be 25 this year. Sounds like he's going to go on day two. That, that doesn't work. I don't think that works. Danny Gray from SMU as a day three flyer. Sign me up for that. I think that works. Bo Melton from Rutgers. Probably in that like four, fifth, sixth range. It's tough. It's, once you get to day three, it's kind of tough to peg. He's a nice player. I don't know that he plays as fast on tape as that four, three, four. But there's something there. And he hits some of the statistical stuff that I like. Here are the big ones. Christian Watson, 436. Chris Olave, 439. You add in Alec Pierce from Cincinnati. 
he ran 441 and Khalil Shaker ran 443. Those are your guys. And I think there are more guys. And here's why. The idea of speed is not just what do you run the 40 in. Because, and I wrote about this at the Leap today. Think about Jordy Nelson. Jordy Nelson ran four fives. And he became one of the preeminent deep threats in the NFL. Think about Devontae Adams, who ran four, five, six, four, five, seven. And he would consistently beat guys down the field. And, and some of them just with speed, just I'm going to run by you. Now, yes, he had he would release packages and hesitation moves and late hands and all that stuff. But sometimes it's just I'm going to run by you. He says he's faster now than he was then. Drop some weight, et cetera, et cetera. OK. Speed is not just how fast you run the 40. It's how fast do you move your body with what force are you able to exert to get down the field? Jordy Nelson had an 88th percentile speed score, which is how fast you could run relative to your body type, your size. So you look at someone like Traylon Burks. He ran 455, disappointing, but he's 6'2, 225. He's got an 87th percentile speed score. Guys who are big, who run fast and run fast relative to being big are fast. So I know that seems obvious. If you're, if you're fat, if you're, if you're big, you can run four, four, seven and be really, really, really fast. And in fact, be faster in some ways than someone who runs four, three, seven at a smaller size. Calvin Austin, who is like a buck 70 dripping wet, five, six, and runs four, three, two, let's say. If you're Christian Watson, who's six, four, two, 15, and runs four, three, six, Christian Watson, by speed score, much, much better. Now, someone like Calvin Austin, not gonna be on the Packers board in all likelihood, because he's tiny. They don't generally like Lilliputians, but we'll see. I mean, they, they said they want speed. So I thought, okay, let's let's see who is actually fast, fast relative to their body. And I took those same Packers types and I looked at who are the elite, elite speed score guys. Well, Christian Watson comes in at the top, 98th percentile. Vela Jones Jr., 97th percentile. Isaiah Weston, really intriguing player from Northern Iowa. Keep your eyes on that one. Isaiah Weston, also coached by Ryan Mahaffey, who was, um, he is a quality control coach for the Packers. Now is going to be the assistant offensive line coach, but he was the OC at UNI with Weston. Alec Pierce from Cincinnati, a combine star, 96th percentile speed score. You'll notice I didn't mention Danny Gray or Bo Melton there in the 80s. I didn't mention Chris Olave, 68th percentile speed score. So that's not to say that those guys are slow. They're not. It's just different. They're, they're not as fast relative to their body size. You need to make up with a lack of size with speed. Terry Kill does this. When you're 5'6", now he's much thicker, you, you better run 4'2". Or you're just, you just don't have a place in the modern NFL. That's just the way it goes. So... Here is the conclusion that I have come to. And I said this on Twitter. I think the 
perfect Packers receiver in this draft is Christian Watson. And the reason I think that is he is one of four players who I think can be bona fide number one receivers, who have the physical tools to be legit number ones. Those guys are Drake London, Traylon Burks, George Pickens, and Christian Watson. I think Chris Olave can be a 1B. My concern is that his size, I don't know that he can be a true one receiver, alpha receiver. But but I'm, I'm open to being wrong about that. I think if anyone else is in that mix, he is in that mix. So you can get that upside. You can get that number one receiver. But even if you don't get that number one receiver, his speed, his playmaking, he's terrific with the ball in his hands. He does not know how to run routes, yes. <laughs> but he can get down the field. He can open up space. Even if he is just running fast down the field, he can open up space for the other parts of your offense, for Robert Tunyon, for Alan Lazard, for Randall Cobb, and then whoever else you take. So when you talk about complementary pieces, those make a lot of sense. Here is, if you're just going to go the draft route, I'm assuming Drake London is going to be gone. It's it's sounding like there's a chance Chris Olave is gone too. I think Drake London and Garrett Wilson are definitely off the board. But nothing, you know, as definite as they can be right now on, you know, March 30th. If let's say the Packers draft two receivers in the first round and you want the most complimentary pieces possible and you want the parts to fit. Christian Watson as the deep guy and Traylon Burks as the run after catch guy. Sign me up because now you've got two guys who you think have number one receiver potential. One of them is a a physical big run after catch AJ Brown type receiver, big Debo Samuel type receiver. You can throw those RPO screens to him. He can take a slant to the house. He can win down the field. He can he can He can create offense for you because he's so good after the catch. He's so physical and he's got that that build up speed. And then you add in that guy who can get over the top, who can create down the field. Those two together fit wonderfully. I think you could pair Burks with Olave. You could pair Burks with Pickens in terms of speed. You could take some of the secondary guys, Pierce. I like Alec Pierce a lot. Body control. I mean, I I understand why if you're a Packers fan, you're looking at him and going, wait, that's Jordy Nelson. And not just because they share some some obvious traits in common. Uh, They are similar players in the the way that they win. At least Ali Pierce isn't at the college level. Let's not get carried away because Jordy Nelson was, you know, he's going to be a Packers Hall of Famer. I don't want to put that pressure on any rookie. That's just not fair. So I'm not saying that that they're going to take two, but if you're looking at speed guys, Christian Watson to me is 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 your ideal because he can he can be your one eventually, probably not right away. And even if he doesn't hit that ceiling, he's going to be at worst a complimentary piece because he's just too big and fast to not be useful for you. Remember, Ted Ginn Jr., was the best receiver on an offense that went to a Super Bowl. Just being really, really fast is really, really useful. And I think the same is true of Chris Olave. If he's just Ted Ginn Jr., 
is is Alan Lazard now worse than Devin Funches was that season for Carolina? Probably not. So, like, if you have Aaron Rodgers and you have a good run game and you have a good offensive line and this defense is going to be good, like you you don't need need the DKs, the Tyler Lockets. You need the pieces to fit together. Now, I, I do understand that's why so many fans are into Chris Olave because. He's he's ready to go. He is he is ready out of the box. You can put him out on the field and and go. And I think he is easily the most pro ready receiver in this class. So from that standpoint, if we're talking about um, pro readiness and the ability to win down the field, I do like Chris Olave in that sense. I think Christian Christian Watson is right there. Those two guys are at the top of my wish list for the Packers. I just think. Watson has some upside that Olave maybe doesn't. And maybe I'm just I'm just too narrowly looking at the Olave frame. He's not as as quite as good after the catch. I think Watson, I mean, they were giving Watson jet sweeps and handoffs, and he's making plays after the catch for someone his size to be that athletic and move the way he does. It's just special. It's special. And I know Ross, Ross, if you're listening, Ross Uglum from, from Packer Report and, and Bison Report. Uh, what's up, Ross? I hope you're wearing pants. I really do. All right, we're going to talk about the NFL overtime rules to finish up here, uh, but we'll do that in just a second. Before we do, we have to talk to you about our friends over at Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Have you ever gone into one of those stores? It is, unless you know what you're doing, and I don't, I'm, I will fully admit it, I don't. I don't understand the first thing about cars um, or the second or third. But I do know that if I needed something, I would go to Rock Auto because I'm not paying more than I need to because I don't know what I'm supposed to be paying. But I know Rock Auto is going to give it to me for less. Why would you spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same part from a chain store or dealership? Rock Auto does not differentiate professionals versus do-it-yourselfers. You're getting the best price you can get. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. And thanks for making Locked On Packers your first listen every day. Now go make your second listen, Locked On NFL Draft. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL Draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. It's free and available on all platforms. So the NFL changed the overtime rules a little bit too late. Uh, Eight years too late to be precise. In the playoffs now, teams will be allowed to each receive the ball. This was a vital change. I I, I never understood the the fake tough guy arguments about like, oh well, you gotta win the game and you sing game boom. What? Y- yes, you have sixty minutes to win the game, and then one team gets one more opportunity to win. They get one more opportunity than I did, so. Wait, but I thought you only got 60 minutes. If you only get, if if the take is you only get 60 minutes to decide the game, then just have ties. But I promise you, those same people making those arguments are not cool with ties. They just want sudden death. And there are a lot of people in the league who feel this way. Mike Tomlin said at NFL owners meetings, I like sudden death. It is the tough guy way to be. 
Well, I, I, you just, your defense is part of the game too. Yeah. Well, you can only score with the ball. Hello. You need the ball to score. You need to score to win, which means you should be able to get the ball in over time. <sighs> okay. So now that will be the case. In 2014, the Packers famously, infamously did not get the ball in overtime. Russell Wilson beats them. They go to the Super Bowl. And again, the Packers won for 58 minutes. 2015, Packers should have gone for two, but they get the Hail Mary to Jeff Janis and the Cardinals go down and score. Game over. And Aaron Rodgers never gets to touch the ball. Matt Ryan in the Super Bowl. Tom Brady goes down and scores. Matt Ryan, who was the league MVP. With Matt LaFleur as quarterbacks coach. Uh, he never gets the ball. Three years ago in the AFC Championship game, Patrick Mahomes in Arrowhead. Tom Brady gets the ball in overtime. The Chiefs never get the ball. And that never should have happened because D Ford should not have been offsides and the Chiefs should have won that Super Bowl too. You look at last year. Josh Allen in in a classic game, a game where Josh Allen is on one of the best streaks we've ever seen an NFL quarterback in the playoffs, incredible against the Patriots, incredible against the Chiefs, does not get a chance to touch the ball in overtime just from a pure ratings standpoint, which is what ultimately drove this change. This makes all the sense in the world. Get your stars on the field. It it makes sense from a craven revenue standpoint. To get your stars on the field and the stars are quarterbacks. No one is super excited even about star defensive players like Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey. You know, it, it's they're, they're, they're not excited to see those guys play. They're not like, oh yeah, overtime I get to watch Aaron Donald. Only the hipster NFL media people are doing that. That's it. Those are the only, those are the only ones. You want stars. And from a logic standpoint, this was the right thing to do, thankfully. Thankfully, they finally did it only eight years too late. All right, back for more this week. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers.